I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hawkeye fans, get ready. It's time for the Hawkeye Nation radio show, powered by the Polk County iClub on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 AM, and now 106.3 FM, KXNO. And welcome to the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. My name is Andrew Downs. Uh, We'll bring you home for the next hour or so, talking all things Hawkeye sports. And I'm not alone. I'm joined by... Uh, my good friend, the grand poobah of HawkeyeNation.com, the president of the Polk <laughs> County Eye Club, it's Joe Schmelka. What's up, Joe? Hey, buddy. Well, you know, tough uh, tough weekend, obviously, and some shocking stuff going on in, in the football world, and you're just kind of like, wow, what a – what a kooky, what a kooky, crazy year. I, I, I didn't, I didn't see the Iowa team looking like this. Uh, I didn't see coaches getting fired this early. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. There, so, there really yeah. is. Yeah. B- before we get to that, the Michigan game and look ahead to Illinois, let, let's touch on that here real quickly. Obviously, Paul Chris was fired from by, by Wisconsin after their loss to Illinois, a, a beatdown at home. Uh, from Illinois on Saturday. Uh, obviously, Scott Frost already lost his job. That's two Big Ten West coaches who have been fired during the season. Uh, the Frost one, I, I think, was less surprising, certainly. This Paul Chris firing uh, re- really, really shocked me. I-, I know they like Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator, who's now their interim head coach, and maybe the whole thing was, hey, let's give him, uh, A, a, f- a few games to get this under his belt and-, and win this job, and B, don't lose him to somebody else. Uh, but I-, I was really surprised by, by that news on Sunday, Joe, and I'm assuming you were as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, the guy won like, you know, what, 70-some percent of his game, yeah. Big Ten Championship. I mean, I, I don't, I, okay, maybe the defensive coordinator is really good, and maybe he's going to get hired by somebody else. I, I, I don't know, but that that was that was a bit shocking. Um, he didn't have the huge buyout number. Uh, once again, Wisconsin always seems to be a little smarter than us uh, financially. Um you know, but uh, yeah, they, it, it, that that was a shock. I went, what? I almost felt like somebody's kidding me. I mean, this is a joke. Is is what I first thought. So, um, it happens. And I tell you, you know, just talk guys, fans. It's not going to happen with Iowa. Okay, I think Kirk <laughs> has a forty-two million dollar buyout. Um, it, it, it it's not going to happen. Kirk is is here until uh, until he until uh, he decides to leave, and I think deservedly so. And I think that's the right way to go. This uh, firing people, burning the house down, and then trying to rebuild it thing all the time. You know, we got eight straight wins against Illinois. We got how many against Minnesota? We got how many against you know Nebraska? Um, I don't think that philosophy. I really don't think that philosophy works. No, I, I don't either. And I agree oh. with you. I, I think Kirk is, is safe and I think he should be safe. Uh, you know, do changes need to be made? Sure. Would you like to see some different 
different things. Absolutely. But but I agree. And, and you know, Iowa's patience in these matters has paid off and not just in the Ferentz era, but in the Fry era before it. Uh, but it just seems like the rest of, of the college football world uh, has lost patience and, and for a lot of, of good reasons. I mean, you have the transfer portal, you have NIL, uh, players going here and there, you know, the, the realignment and all of the, all of the uncertainty in college football, I think, has caused some of these programs to uh, to, to kind of lose that patience and say, well, if you don't go now, you, ha- you, you know, you're you're going to fall behind. Um, Iowa hasn't done that yet. And, you know, as as rough it is, as it has been at times uh, this season, watching this offense or, you know, kind of frustrating losses to, to Iowa, or I guess a, a frustrating loss to Iowa State. You know, Iowa won 10 games last year and played for a Big Ten championship and uh, is off to a 3-1 and start and was very close to a 4-1 and start uh, in in this season. I mean, you know, you can see a lot of ways where Iowa beats Iowa State. I think Michigan on Saturday was was clearly the better team. It would have taken a lot, uh, maybe some fluky things uh, for Iowa to, to, to stay close in that game or, or to win that game. Um, so you can accept a loss to the number four team in the country, uh, but it is just interesting to see kind of the lack of patience around the college football world while Iowa uh, at, at times maybe seems like they have too much patience in some areas. Yeah, we seem to have a lot of patience, you know, and, and, and I think it's six one way, have it does the other. I mean, it, it certainly has paid off. As soon as we think, I, I think it was back in 2013, 14, whatever, you know, Kirk was really struggling. The program was struggling. And then all of a sudden we roll off, you know, we roll off uh, an undefeated uh, season. Um, you go back to Brad Banks, you, it, all these different things. You know, the world was coming to an end in 2000, 2001. We were, you know, and and, and the patience with Kirk has certainly paid off. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and beat on Brian. I think Brian is a great person. I've, I've met him a couple of times. Um, uh, I, I just think when you hire your son to be an offensive coordinator, it's just a no-win position. And I, I, I don't think really that was the best thing for Brian. I, I certainly don't think it's the best thing for Kirk. It's just a tough, tough situation to be in. It's like you can, you know, I don't think you can ever do good enough when you're the coach's son and you're in such a high profile position. So I think that's tough, but let's talk about the Michigan game, you know, for a minute. Um, you, you, you talked about that. Okay. Number 14 comes in. It would have been a huge upset. Okay. It's happened before, but it would have been the biggest upset of the week probably. Right. And, um, you know, it could happen. And, and there were really a couple of situations there that I think had to go our way. One, we had to win a turnover battle. We said that last week. Uh, There's a loose ball, at the, I think, at their five-yard line. The one time we really hit uh, McCarthy, their quarterback, the ball squirted loose, right? And their guy got to the ball and, and recovered. And, uh, you know, had we recovered that ball, hmm, would have been a nice, would have been a heck of a nice play. We needed a play like that. You need a play like that to upset somebody. Um, you know, you talked about it on the instant reaction podcast. Everybody's talked about it. Uh, the three play calls, I think it was second and eight down there at, or maybe it was second and six at the eight yard line. Um, we're down 20 to seven. We've scored a touchdown. Momentum is kind of swinging our way. Really would have swung our way if we could have punched it into the end zone. And just three really uh, head scratching play calls. I, I I don't get it, you know. I just I just didn't I just didn't get I mean, yeah I I just didn't get those. Did you yeah. get those play calls? No, I, I I didn't. Especially you know especially that that fourth down play call. 
Uh, you know, and, and there were some issues there beyond just the the play call, but uh, you, you need to have something that you, where you can gain two yards in a situation where you absolutely need it, and that was that situation. I mean, if I was able to punch that in, that's a whole new ball game. And and you saw what happened uh, on that next possession with Michigan's defense or offense. Iowa stuffed them, gets another three and out, and then r- right after that, Joe, you've got Iowa. You know, and, and at that point, it was desperation time. You needed a very quick score if you're going to get back in that game but to to essentially get sacked four times and I know Petrus you know threw the ball twice and so a couple of those were incompletions but yeah, yeah that that whole series of kind of the last three plays on that drive leading to that turnover on downs and then the four plays uh if you can even call them plays because you know the ball didn't even move on that next drive that that was really really disappointing in a big moment from uh for, in that game yeah you know it, it, you got to get that fumble. You got to find a way to get that that ball into the end zone. We've got it down there um, and, and get to twenty to fourteen. And then, you know, we needed a couple of bad calls by the referees or something like that to go against Michigan, right? And I think instead, you know, the calls went against us, and we're just not good enough to overcome that stuff. I mean, you know, we 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 had a couple of really nice runs. It seemed like our offense in the second half there was getting into getting in tune and and it seemed like it was the same referee it was the the female referee um back there she made just uh she made the holding call and then the one that i thought was just horrible um you know we had our center and one of their players and yeah they, they were both pushing and blocking and nobody was swinging at each other or or did anything or came in late and hit something from behind it was two guys that were that were battling mano y mano um, it's completely out of the play, had nothing to do with the play. I, you don't throw that flag there. No. Or, or if you maybe, uh, you just don't throw a flag there. And, 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 and that's an experience thing. I think, you know, hopefully she becomes a better referee. You know, they, they talked to her about it, look at it and like, really? What? I mean, they're both going at it. So I, I just, I, I thought that was a horrible call. I don't know. I'm no expert on the clipping chop block call or whatever that went went against Colby but you know that was we can't have those no right we just, we just can't have those and, and, and beat a team like Michigan so those I thought were our three you know we got to get a turnover we got to make a huge play on defense or special teams to beat them we didn't get that accomplished um when we have our opportunities to score we got to put it in the end zone we didn't get that accomplished one time down there and then you, you'd like to see the referee <laughs> make a bad call against Michigan or something like yes. that to, to, to kind of help us out a, a little bit. And, you know, like, like you said, as a football fan, I'm not disappointed by getting beat by Michigan. They're a great team. Okay. They're, they're maybe not top five. I don't know, but they're probably a top 10 team. I mean, they got one heck of a quarterback. He looks down the fields. He moves around. He's everything you want Spencer Peters to be that he isn't, um, you know, and they got a really good running back. They got a great offensive line. They've got a very good defense. They got fast wide receivers. You know, they got they got what Michigan almost always has. They got a they got a bunch of four and five star athletes and 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 you know, they're they're tough. So, you know, like I said before we came on the show, I'm not disappointed by losing to Michigan. I mean, I, I wish we'd have played a little better and, and we had our chances and could have really, you know, made it a more fun game to watch. But the game that I'm really disappointed about is still the Iowa State game. I mean, you can see they're not really that great of a team. Yeah. And uh, they made the mistakes that they always make. And we 
you always almost always capitalize on those mistakes and win the game. And instead, we made a bunch of mistakes, you know, fumbling down there and doing a bunch of different things. So, had we had we been four and one right now, I, I wouldn't be, you know, too down in the dumps. Um, our offense got a long ways to go. Obviously, we talk about that every week. He <laughs> <laughs> keeps saying the same thing. This week, it was more glaring to me than ever. Uh, play calling, no. Um, you know, I, I, I watch Michigan and they see, they can seem to be able to sense a blitz or something and, and, and they do a little swing pass to the outside or they do run a screen play or whatever. Their guy is sharper with his calls. Certainly they've got better players. <laughs> and maybe that makes it obvious. It makes it easier, but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's just you know our offense is not good. No, it it, it is not. You know the 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 defense had had its own issues at times on Saturday, but I I think I've heard a little too much uh, bashing of the defense. A bashing is probably too strong of a word, but people kind of down on the defense uh, after that game. I mean, you allow Michigan only thirteen points in the first half. That that's a win. You allow Michigan essentially twenty points. That that last touchdown on both sides was was kind of a garbage time fluky touchdown. But you know that game is kind of a twenty to seven game. Uh, in, in reality, that that's a game that where your defense played good enough to win against uh, against a really good team in Michigan. The defensive line got manhandled a little bit more than you'd like to see. The the uh, Michigan offensive line really kind of moved the line of scrimmage. They, they were able to run the ball at will for the most part, and that that's a little disappointing. But uh, I, I don't think you hang any of this on the defense, Joe. You're right. The offense is is the issue. It has been the issue. It will continue to be the issue. I don't see a quick fix or an easy fix uh, this season coming with that. Um, you know wh- whether that be the offensive line or the quarterback or the injuries or the wide receivers or the play calling. It's all a mess right now. Um, I will say, you know, watching the game on TV has a different feel than it does when you're inside Kinnick Stadium. I wonder, from your perspective, you know, that that first series, as you say, Michigan kind of just punches us in the face uh, with their offense, drives down and scores, and then our offense comes out and can't do anything. And, and I think that's kind of the most frustrating thing, and, and really throughout the whole first half. I mean, I think Iowa ran 10 plays in the first quarter, had like 55 yards, only ran a handful of plays in the, in the second quarter, wasn't really able to make anything happen. Got moving a little bit, but then Spencer Peters airmailed a couple of uh, looked like makeable throws. Um, and so uh, it just it feels like that sucks the air out of that stadium, Joe. And it feels like there's more tension uh, inside Kinnick Stadium than, than there ever has been, or not ever, but you know certainly in the last uh, couple of seasons. It feels like um, I was almost at a disadvantage playing at home because of uh, of how disappointed the fan base is in that offense and how the offense just hasn't given the fan base anything to cheer about uh, at home really all season. Yeah, totally. I mean, Michigan just took the air you know, right out of Kinnick Stadium. I mean, we're all fired up, but back in black, you got the national anthem, you got everything going. Um, we win the toss, we defer, <clears throat> expect our defense to play well. Maybe I can't expect them to get a three and out, but Michigan just methodically goes right down the field against us and scores. And, you know, as fans sitting there, you're like, whoa, well, I didn't, I didn't see that happening, right? I didn't expect that. And And then it's like, okay, okay, you know, let's hope. Let's hope. And then our offense comes out and three and out. <laughs> it just got like, okay, here we go. Here we go again. Right. And, but, but, you know, we still, <clears throat> you, 
No, at the end of the first half, it's 13 nothing, and our offense has done nothing. I mean, I think they had 98 yards, total yards at halftime, right? Yeah. And we come out in the second half, and, and you know, we get that thing. We're 20 to 7, and we've got the ball down there at our own, at their six yard line, ready to go in and possibly score. And we score there, you know, Andrew. I mean, anything can happen. Yes. There's a lot of time left on the clock, and, and our defense did play well enough. I mean, that first drive was bad. They did run the ball better than I thought they would against us. Um, but we're right in the game if we can score that touchdown. And those three plays, I don't know. I, I guess they're great plays if all of a sudden, you know, uh, Spencer throws a better pass on the fourth down. Play. It, was, it was pass interference, so it didn't matter. But right. I, I don't know. It just, you know, it just was like you just – Really, that's what we got. That's what you call, you know, on on fourth down. That's what you call on third down. That's what you call on second down. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, 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 I really scratched my head down there because that 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 could have put us, you know, twenty fourteen. Now we got a ball game. The crowd's gonna go crazy. Um, you know, that, that's what you're there for. I mean, at the end of the day. Sure, it's about wins and losses and, 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 you know, everything. But at the end of the day, it's entertainment. You know, fans spend a ton of money yes. uh, buying tickets and and supporting this team and, and doing all the things. And, and it's, it's ugh, boy, yeah, you... it's not here. But, you know, getting down to the to the root causes of it, I'm, I'm sitting here right now, and I'm going through, um, you know, draft classes. I mean, to me, the real weakness here, uh, Spencer actually looked better. He did. He and things, but he looked a lot better. Uh, if you just told me he would be 21 for 31 with 245 yards, you know, before the game started, that's how it's going to end. He's going to have no interceptions. Wow. You know, I'd have been like, whatever, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm leaving. But it was, it's really our offensive line. I, I don't understand how Iowa has gotten to a point where we are starting uh, the first guy, you know, our center is is a guy who came over from the defense last year, yeah, yeah, um, or this year, not last year, this year, right? And 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 then we're just super super young all the way across. I think there's a lot of talent there, but it's like, what happened to our juniors and seniors, mm-hmm. and and you know, where, where are they? And and it's just like we just totally whiffed um, on a lot of on a lot of uh, recruits. Back in 2017, 2018, you know, even 19. I know Cody Hens is out uh, with an injury. We got a couple of other guys um, that are hurt, but man, oh man, you know, it's it, it's our offensive line. Yeah, and it, it starts to make you question. Really, yeah, the, really. the, the the recruiting, the development, the strength and conditioning, all of that stuff. That it just it feels like it's it's all kind of dropped off. The position coaching. Um, it feels like there's been a significant drop off from. You know, the, the days of Tristan Wirfs and, you know, even Tyler Linderbaum last year, you know, guys who uh, dominated those positions and, and really made Iowa football what it was and, and made an offensive scheme like this, which is old school and, it you know, lacks some 
some speed and some athleticism, but it made it work because you had that offensive line who was giving the quarterback time, who was allowing these plays to develop, who was allowing the running game uh, to get going. And you know, I, I think that that is kind of where it all stems, Joe, because when Spencer Petrus is able to to make the throws, it seems like he can. Uh, one of the big issues I had on Saturday was just the the lateral nature of the passing game. I mean, we talked about that fourth and two where you throw a one-yard pass, but uh, uh, Sam Laporta, who had a big game against Rutgers a, a week and a half ago, uh, he had five catches for 24 yards. I mean, that that's less than five yards per reception. Arlen Bruce, who's probably our only legitimate playmaker on offense right now, uh, who who's somewhat healthy, had two catches for seven yards. I mean, to, to not be able to get him down the field at all, uh, to not get these, and, and so, and, and I do think a lot of that falls on the offensive line, just not giving uh, Spencer time to let those plays develop, uh, but that, that's been a big issue issue as well, because when your offense doesn't get going, uh, a running game going, when you have penalties, when you get behind the eight ball and you're not picking up three yards on first down or four yards on first down, and all of a sudden you find yourself at a you know a second and 12, and then you throw a four-yard pass, well, that doesn't help you a whole lot. And so uh, there are just, yeah, there's myriad issues on the offense, but I agree with you. I think it stems with the offensive line. Well, you know, I, I, and I'm back and I'm looking right now at 2019, our, our class of 2019. Uh, Tyler Endress, he was a four-star offensive tackle from Norwalk. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you probably have the depth chart there. I don't, but I don't see him playing no. at all right now. Ezra Miller, I think he had a, I think he had a, a health issue or something like that. Um, he was a four-star offensive lineman. So there's two four-star offensive linemen that, you know, I don't think they're even on the depth chart. Right. Justin Pitt, I can't remember what happened to him. Um, but, and I, I, I've seen that name. I, I know he played some last year, the year before, certainly. And, you know, there's, there's three deep offensive linemen from that class that were highly ranked and, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just not there. And if you go through the rest of that class, I mean, Justin Jacobs, Logan Lee, Tyler Goodson, uh, uh, Dane Belton, yeah. Alex Padilla, Castro, Jack Campbell. <laughs> um, you know, Sam Laporta, it's like, wow. I mean, there were some big hits on that thing, but it just seems like we had two or three classes there, 18, 19, where we did not do, we, we whiffed on the offensive line somehow or another for the most part. And, uh, and that, and that's just come back and that is really, really hurting us right now. But then that bodes the question. Okay. We got this thing called the transfer portal. Yep. You know, is, is, is that our best option to take a defensive lineman who's never played a game and try and turn him into a center in, you know, 2025 practices? That's our best option for this year? Wow. I don't know. It's hard to you know? believe. It's hard to believe. Kind of, kind of surprising. Makes you, I, you know, I, I'm sure Kirk had a reason there, but it's kind of like, uh, okay. So, anyway. Yep. Hey, let's let's do this, Joe. Let, let's take a quick break here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KX. Now, if you've missed any of our conversation about the Michigan game, the offense, everything that's happened so far, uh, check it out at the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Hawkeye Nation. Uh, let's take a quick time out, Joe, and when we come back, let's look ahead to this Illinois game because, boy, this is a big game uh, on Saturday night for for, for both sides. Uh, this, this should be fun in Champaign. Um, well, fun maybe not be the right word. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show, 106.3 KXNO. My name is Andrew Downs. I'm giving Joe Schmelka a little bit of time off as I dive in to the Illinois Illini and the matchup this weekend that Iowa has uh, as I'll bring on a reporter from the other side. My guest today covers Illinois for the Champagne News Gazette and IlliniHQ.com. It's Bob Asmussen. Bob, thanks for the time. Anytime. You know, I want to get to the specifics of this matchup in, in just a minute, but first, looking at the season as a whole so far, Illinois is off to a great start, had a huge win in Madison over the weekend, and now returns home on the verge of being ranked with a chance to establish themselves as a contender in the Big Ten West and exercise some demons against the Iowa Hawkeyes. How big is this game for the Illini? Oh, it's a monster. It really is. Because of what just happened at Wisconsin, that was exercising demons, too. They had one there in 20 years, but this game is huge. Uh, people have been pointing at this for a while. Of course, there's a matchup with Brett Balaam as alma mater, so that's a big deal. But just the idea of where Iowa's been over the last decade or two, the fact that kind of perceived as a power in the West, and Illinois wants to get there. So to get there, they, they have to go through Iowa. And they, so the fact the game's at home – and they're coming off a nice win, and they're looking. Things are looking up here. Then there's no question that's the case. But yeah, see, it's a monster of real life. You know, getting a win in Madison is never easy, especially a convincing win. What What was the most impressive thing about Illinois over the weekend? Oh, very easy. The defense for effort against Wisconsin. The fact they held them to two yards. Uh, Braylon Allen really not never got going. So it was just really. Dominated. Illinois dominated. Wisconsin, which I haven't seen really in a long time, really goes back to pre Alvarez, the last time Illinois actually beat them badly. So this is a really good win that way. I just think that overall game, the offense played well, the defense played well, and the offense took advantage of short field opportunities, and that really made the difference too. So give them a little credit. They were ready for that, for that team, for that game. Even after they fell behind 7 nothing. they didn't panic at all. They did the opposite. They came back stronger. Let's stay there with the defense then, Bob. Illinois gave up 23 points in the loss to Indiana, but hasn't allowed more than 10 points since then. Uh, what players or position groups have been the no- most notable defensively this season so far? Well, start, start up front. Uh, Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, they've done a great job. They're on the defense line. They just they cause so much trouble for the opposing quarterback. That it's really big. They aren't always making sacks, but they are getting pressure. Uh, pressure without blitzing. So they're, they're, that part of the team is really being good. Kind of a surprise because they lost some really good players up there. So I think some people wondered how good is the line going to be. And they turned out to be outstanding. And you go back, the secondary has been really strong, too. Again, some veteran players have come through. They lost a great player, Kirby Josephson and NFL. They've just done the right things in their secondary. They're not giving up a lot of big plays. That Indiana game was a huge disappointment for Illinois because they felt like they could have won that game. 
But other than that, they've done everything you would think they would do at this point. Tommy DeVito, talk offensively, the transfer quarterback from Syracuse. He's, he's looked very good this season. Chase Brown had a big game on the ground last week in Madison. Uh, what should Hawkeye fans expect? Should they expect a balanced attack from this Illinois offense? If it works well, yes. If they do what they want to do, yes, they will be balanced. They'll throw the ball and set up a run, and they will. But Chase Brown's going to get the ball a lot. Uh, he leads the nation in rushing. He's been awesome. And he's he's got he's got one year. He's going to leave after this year. Everybody has to. And he is after a great. He's having the best season for running back here, really forever. So that it's a big deal for him. So they'll get get in the ball early. But Iowa's defense is so good that I don't think they think they can beat Iowa without being balanced, without getting some passing yards down the field. I think they feel like they have to do both sides of the ball, and I think they'll try to do that. Iowa seems to feed off of hostile environments, particularly that defense that you just mentioned. They, they go into these night games in, in opposing stadiums and, and shut up the crowd pretty quickly. Do you expect a, a great atmosphere Saturday night in Champaign? I do. I really do. I, I'm not sure the place will be full. They haven't been full all year, but I think they're pointing that way. I think, yeah, I think the crowd will be big. I think they'll be a lot. In fact, the game's at 630. That's a long time to get ready for the game, if you know what I mean. People will be drinking in the parking lot, having a good time. Yes, crowd will be wild. If I'm Iowa, I do want to try to take them out of the crowd. I, I do want to quiet them with some early scores, uh, dominate the ball offensively. If they can do that, they will be able to take the crowd out, but I don't think that's going to be very easy. This team's, the crowd's pretty fired up right now. You know, it's been a long time since Illinois has beaten Iowa, and I know that nobody would love it more than Brett Bielema. You mentioned he's an Iowa alum. We we like pointing out that he has that Tiger Hawk tattoo. Uh, you know, I've long thought that this should be a bigger, bigger rivalry. You know, the basketball rivalry has really amped up over the last few years, but the football rivalry hasn't. And maybe Bielema is the guy to make that happen. Uh, what, what's your sense of what the Illinois program and the Illinois fan base think of of the Iowa program? Oh, they they want what you just said. They want it to be a rivalry. But the problem with the rivalry is you have to beat the team occasionally. They haven't beaten Iowa so long that you really can't be considered a rivalry. But I think if they start being win one year, lose one year, win one year, lose one year, then that, that will happen. I hope they stay in the same division next year going forward. I hope they do because I, I love the series. I, I love that. My son actually graduated from Iowa. So I, I value this Iowa a lot. So I, I want to see that continue. But I think Illinois has to win a game occasionally to make it any kind of rivalry. And I think for Iowa's dominated for so long that that's been hard. Who is Illinois' biggest rival in football as you see it? Well, I think it would be Northwestern. And uh, I think they would like it to be Michigan or somebody like that, but I don't think Michigan views Illinois as anything more than another team they can beat. But I think, I think Iowa and, and, and Northwestern would be the two, in my mind, the, the most important rivalries. I think Wisconsin, Wisconsin could move up to that because of the ties between Bielema and the, and the coaching staff there. But, yeah, I think, I think Iowa and Northwestern are the two ones that Illinois fans look at it and say, wow, I really want to beat them that badly. And I sure they beat Northwestern pretty easily, but they haven't beat Iowa for forever, and I think that's important for them. Follow him on Twitter. He's at Bob Asmussen. I do that. It's a, I enjoy it as well. And you can find his work in the Champaign News Gazette and at IlliniHQ.com. Bob, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the game Saturday night, and uh, have a good rest of the season.
Thanks so much. Good good talking to you. There you have it, man. Uh, I think this defense is going to cause a lot of issues for Iowa's offense. I, I don't expect Iowa's offense to score very much. And that's kind of an evergreen statement. I could say that pretty much every game this season, uh, moving forward uh, and moving backward as well. But uh, the defense is going to have to come up big. The defense is going to have to have one of those signature nights like they did at Rutgers a couple of weeks ago, like they did at Maryland last season. The defense is going to have to give the offense short fields, uh, maybe even come up with a touchdown themselves and not a allow that Illinois offense to uh, to get comfortable, not allow them to gain yards on the ground and uh, and assert their dominance because Illinois' defense looks very good, and this is going to be a raucous environment. Uh, it's been a long time since Iowa has lost to the Illini, and uh, you're already going to, you know, you've already given up the, uh, the, the Iowa State streak this season, uh, the the Nebraska streak and the Minnesota streak will certainly be in question later this year. You, you don't want to lose this eight-game-in-a-row streak. I think it's been since 2008, uh, but eight in a row that, that Iowa has won over Illinois. So this is a big game, uh, if only for you know kind of how you feel about the rest of the season, where you're pecking, where you are in the pecking order of the Big Ten West. Uh, and it's a big spot for Illinois and Brett Bielema, and they they can really uh, assert themselves as one of the contenders on this side of the uh, of the conference. Um, and you know what does that mean? I don't know. I guess you're you're playing for the right to go get smoked by Ohio State in the in the championship game. But hey, at least you're there. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game Saturday night. We'll have it covered from all angles at HawkeyeNation.com. And we're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, Joe Schmelke will join me again. We will look ahead to this game against Illinois, the spot that Iowa has. Uh, it's a big game, a big a big night uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes over in Champaign. This is the HawkeyeNation.com radio show right here on 106.3 KXNO. in black here on the HawkeyeNation.com radio show. Andrew Downs and Joe Schmelka driving you home. If you missed any of the show so far, uh, check it out at the podcast page at HawkeyeNation.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Joe Schmelka, the president of the Polk County Eye Club, our fearless leader here at HawkeyeNation.com. All the best Hawkeye coverage is at HawkeyeNation.com with Rick Brown, John Bonacamp, Rob Howe, uh, myself doing podcasts. I, I put up the uh, the instant or the I, I do the instant reaction every Saturday. I do an opposition research where I look at the uh, the other team uh, every week so check all of that out and uh, get out to the front row and Clive for the game Saturday night it's the best place to watch it uh, huge TVs it's like a Hawkeye museum in there a lot of Iowa fans and uh, whether you're cheering or complaining uh, you're going to have a lot of company at the front row Saturday night because Joe Saturday night you hit the road again um, 6.30 at Cham- in Champaign this is a, a, a game that, that feels huge right now because Illinois just coming off of you know their signature win of maybe the decade, a 34 to 10 win at Wisconsin, which caused Wisconsin to fire Paul Christ. Brett Bielema had to love that. The former uh, Wisconsin coach, obviously the former Iowa Hawkeye, who's tattooed with, an, with a Tiger Hawk, uh, and, and you know he wants to follow that up with a big home win against the Hawkeyes. They're going to have that place rocking. Uh, it's been more than a decade. It's been 14 years since Illinois has beaten Iowa. Iowa has eight in a row in the series, but it was back in 2008, the last time the Illini beat the Hawkeyes. Guys, uh, this is a big one for Illinois. They can establish themselves as a contender in the Big Ten West. They can inch themselves closer to bowl eligibility, uh, and they can exercise some of these demons against the Hawkeyes. I was going into a, uh, a hornet's nest here Saturday night, but 
Iowa likes to do that, Joe. Iowa seems to thrive off that. Certainly the defense does. We saw it a couple of weeks ago at Rutgers. We saw it last season against Maryland. Iowa goes into these night games where the other team is, is really amped up and kind of shuts people up quickly. And and so I think uh, if you're looking for a, a positive about this game, I think Iowa's defense travels well and, and relishes these scenarios. And I think the defense is going to have to have a game like that because uh, this Iowa offense, A, is not very good, but B, has a tough challenge in Illinois' defense. Yeah, um, they obviously held uh, Wisconsin that, well, they said two yards rushing, but I assume that's with sacks yes. and everything. So, And I didn't see... I didn't really see Wisconsin's big running back playing a ton. Uh, I didn't get to watch much of the game, so um, I, c- I could have missed that. Maybe he did play a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's going to be a very tough game. It's <clears throat> They're, they're going to be fired up. I hear they're giving uh, students tickets. I <laughs> saw that, yeah. Crazy how they, how they have to do that. Um, but, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a night game. Uh, it's going to be a hostile environment, and boy, oh boy, you want to talk about the fans starting to really go crazy if Illinois were to step up and beat us in Bielema's second year. Um, they've got a monster offensive line. Um, you know, their defense is is tough against the run. It's, it's his blueprint. I mean, he's copied Kirk, uh, you know, whatever you want to say there. I don't know. They, they, they When he was at Wisconsin, it was basically the same – offensive and defensive philosophy that we have, right? Um, ball control and don't turn the ball over and be able to run the ball well. And uh, there for quite a while, they just did it better than we did. And um, so anyway, with Illinois, I, I still think there's a little bit of a talent gap there. I, I, I don't know what's going on at Wisconsin, but Wisconsin, it wasn't like their first game that they played poorly. No. I mean, they, they, they were not. They are not a good team, and I don't I don't know what's happened there, but something clearly has happened. And I think Saturday was you know it was a very close game, fourteen to ten. I think it was something like that at halftime. So I, I, I don't think Illinois is like all of a sudden world beaters, but it's going to be a smash mouth, grind it out. Hey, whoever turns the ball over, um, type of a type of a game, and. You know, we usually do pretty well in those games. So I don't think I'd bet the over in this game if I were you, Andrew. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is, but I just think it's going to be, you know, smash mouth football. We're going to pound on you. You're going to pound on us. Let's see who can do what. There'll be a few big plays. And you hope a guy like Tory Taylor and uh, Stevens, our field goal kicker, um, points are going to be precious. You, you hope we can score enough to uh to win the game maybe maybe break something you know offensively a player here or there and uh you know pull out a win because if we don't and we go into the bye week three and three and then we gotta come out of the bye week looking right at ohio state uh that's 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 not a recipe for good things for that, the whole season. That's my biggest worry, Joe, is is not that Iowa loses to Illinois, uh, because that, that can happen and that doesn't end the season or, you know, really end end much with the season. I mean there's there's still bowl eligibility. There's still a lot out there. The Big Ten West uh, is still full of very beatable teams uh, after the bye week. But but you're exactly right. If you lose this game 
Um, you, you don't feel great about that going into the bye. You're three and three. You come out, and I don't think anybody expects Iowa to really even compete with Ohio State and, and what they're doing right now. Uh, their offense is so good. Iowa's offense just isn't going to be able to keep up. And then you worry if you're three and four after that game, having gotten blown out uh, by by Ohio State, having lost three in a row. Um, have you lost the team? You know, is is everybody still there, still engaged, still ready to go? Uh, because again, these these last five games after that Ohio State game are all winnable games. I don't think I was going to win them all. That's not what I'm saying, but they are all winnable games because the Big Ten West is not great. Uh, the teams that usually are are not. Minnesota looked a lot more uh, beatable over the weekend than they had before that, um, and so you know, there's still a lot. A lot to be done here, a lot to, to to be gained here. And, you know, this is who Iowa is. And so kind of what you just laid out with this Illinois game, if it is a smash mouth game, if it is a low scoring affair, if it does count on field position and playing clean and defense, I think Iowa has the advantage, not just over Illinois, but over the rest of the Big Ten West when it comes to this, because these are the types of games that Iowa plays. They're not that fun to watch. Uh, they're not super exciting. They can be uh, tension filled and frustrating. But these are the types of games that Iowa wins. And so if Iowa can get a win here against Illinois, uh, can kind of right the ship going into the bye week, uh, get everybody feeling a little better, change the conversation a little bit, certainly if they look a little bit better, you know, who knows if, if or when you get Keegan Johnson back and what that does. Who knows if you get some some guys healthy, you get another week of practice in that bye. Uh, what can happen coming out of that? Again, I don't expect Iowa to do much against Ohio State. That's not the game I'm looking at. But you haven't played a Big Ten West team yet, uh, and you've got six of them on the on the schedule in these last seven games. You can still win this division. What does that mean? Does that mean going to Indianapolis and getting blown out again? Maybe, uh, but but that's okay. That 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 is the goal is to win the Big Ten West. And and as as rough as this offense has been, and as frustrating as the season has been, it's all still out there for the Hawkeyes. Oh, totally, absolutely, and. And that's why it's so important. I mean, you're, you're building, you're, you're, you're trying, we're, we're rebuilding offense right now. So crazy as that sounds as a senior quarterback. I mean, really that's what's going on. We got a very, very young offensive line. We got very, very young running backs. You got to be excited about them. We've got a couple of wide receivers, uh, three or four wide receivers that are very young. Um, and we haven't even seen this Vines kid yet. Um, so the offense is really young. It's very young. It's, it's too bad that we're, wasting, I don't say wasting, but it's too bad that we're not matching up a good offense with what is really a good, good defense. I mean, you know, Campbell and Benson and, and, and all these guys, and, and we'll be losing some of those guys, um, Merriweather. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it's tough, but the reality is this is a, this is a rebuilding year for the offense, for the offensive line. There's a lot of talent there. It's just that it's very, very young and it's very inexperienced. And I think, as bad as this season is, or whatever you want to say, we don't know how bad it's going to be, but as bad as our offense is right now, it'll pay dividends next year and the year after. Um, you know, hopefully one of these quarterbacks steps up. I really hope we get back to a mobile, you know, quarterback that he doesn't have to run, you know, for a hundred yards a game. I'm not looking for that, but somebody that can move around in the pocket yes, uh, and can make some plays and, and, and you at least have to account for him, uh, you know, taking off and running and, and, and hurting, hurting your, your defense. I mean, the ways, you know, Brad Banks did or, or somebody that, you know, even, even, even CJ, right. I mean, uh, just the ability to, to make a play with your legs once in a while. Um, I think that's just super important. It doesn't matter if it's the NFL or it's 
college football or it's high school football. You got to have somebody that makes plays with their legs once in a while at quarterback nowadays. And I think that's that's the part that we're missing. We don't need to throw the ball a hundred times a game. No, you know, and we say, oh, we got to throw the ball. Throw it. <laughs> no, I, I really think we just need a quarterback that's got some more mobility, and that creates a whole another person that the defense has got to scheme for and watch for, and that allows somebody else to get open. Right now, they don't have to worry about Spencer running. They don't have to put a spy there or anything. They, they hope he runs, you know. And, and, and that just allows them to put another person in coverage. So, um, yeah, this, this is a big game just for the psyche yeah. if you will, of this team. We can go four and two first part of the season, take a bye week, hopefully get some guys healthy, um, get some growth, <clears throat> and find a way to end up going four and two on the second half of the season, which I don't think is unrealistic. You know, schedule in the second half of the season. Um, you know, we've got an eight and four season. And with the limitations and the youth and everything that we've got on offense, the injuries we've had at wide receiver, you know, maybe eight and four. I wish we'd beat Iowa State. I think we yeah. talked talking nine and three. And yep. I'd, be, I'd be incredibly happy with a nine and three season. Yeah, let that one get away. I think you're right, though. Eight and four. I think anybody, myself included, would sign up for that right now. All right, Joe, Saturday night in Champaign. What's going to happen? What do you see? What's your prediction? Is Iowa going to come out of there with a win? I think so. I think um, I think Illinois is going to have been a little overhyped. Uh, they're they're going to have gone crazy because that was our first big win. I don't think they know how to handle a victory yet. We play well on the road. We've got a really good defense. We've got a really good special teams. And I think that carries us to another low-scoring game. I think somebody told me we're 60-6 and six in Kirk Ferentz's time when we score more than 18 points. So I'm going to say we're going to I don't know how, but we'll find a way to get to 20 <laughs> points. And uh, I think we beat them like 20 to 10, 20 to 13, something like that. Yeah, I think that's about right. That's that's about where I am as well. I think the, the defense will come up big, and if they don't score, they'll certainly set the offense up in a position to get an easy score. Uh, and, and I, yeah, I like Tory Taylor to have a big night. I, I like the defense to play well. And I, as you said, I think Illinois is just not quite ready for prime time yet. Uh, but we will find out Saturday night. Uh, check out the front row in Clive. It's a great place to watch the game. Again, it's a 6.30 kick. There's a lot going on there. And uh, check out our coverage all week, all weekend, and uh, late night with an instant reaction podcast from me at HawkeyeNation.com If you miss any of this show, you can find it on the podcast page there at HawkeyeNation.com or uh, just search for uh, Hawkeye Nation wherever you get your podcasts and it'll show up there. We appreciate you subscribing, uh, rating and letting us know how we're doing. Joe Schmelka, thank you as always for the time, man. Enjoy your weekend and uh, go Hawks. All right, buddy. Take care. Have a great weekend. Go Hawks.